Hi, I'm Nancy Lucina, and I'm thrilled to announce my latest offering with Free Birth Society, The Divine Creatrix Pregnancy Journey, Ceremonies to Invoke Your Inner Birthing Goddess. Join me and like-minded women from around the world for five live sessions where we will use the ancient art of ceremony to connect deeply with our womb's wisdom, learn to alchemize fears, open up our beings to magnetize our dream births, learn how to lovingly and fiercely set boundaries, and surrender with ease into our transition into motherhood. If you are a mother-to-be, join us on this unique and powerful journey. Learn more at freebirthsocietycourses.com. Into the wild I'll go, and into the wild I am. It's been a while, freedom child, since I left my roots back home. Into the wild I'll go, into the wild I am. It's been a while, freedom child, since I left my roots back home. Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldana. It's been a wild freedom shares how she discovered personal and spiritual freedom within tragedy and how she emerged stronger after contending with death on a regular basis. Aaliyah shares her inspiring story of being called to both free birth and authentic midwifery. Okay, so for me, definitely... Uh, 11 years back to um, being pregnant with my first son. Um, I was 17 when I got pregnant with him and um, still in high school. I was a senior in high school. Um, and when I told the counselor at the school that uh, I was pregnant, um, she said, I actually, because I had like a full scholarship to college already, and um, enough credits. I had more than enough credits that I didn't have to like finish the school year in school. Uh, I could pretty like sign out. And then if I wanted to walk in graduation, I could. But basically I was graduating in December instead of in like June. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, perfect. Because I don't really want to be at school and be pregnant. <laughs> totally. Um, my pregnancy with him was very much um, a learning one. I had a mentor throughout that um, the guidance counselor at school hooked me up with this nonprofit 
um, where like a social worker or caseworker would come to your house. And um, she worked through like this workbook with me about um, pregnancy, birth and motherhood and parenting. Um, Almost like a doula would like, you know, go over a lot of things with your clients and, you know, teach them about things that they might not know about babies and pregnancy and expose them to all the things. Um, so she, she was essentially like a doula throughout my pregnancy because we would talk frequently mm -hmm. and she was super supportive. And then, um, the only difference I guess was that she wasn't at the birth. Mm. Um, but, um, when I went to, so fast forward to, um, I went into preterm labor with my son, my first son. <laughs> um, and, uh, I was, um, I was going to walk in graduation, but I, um, I went to the rehearsal for graduation and that required a lot of walking and stairs. And that put me into preterm labor. Like how far along in the pregnancy are you? I was 34 weeks. Ooh, that's scary. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and so you were supposed like if baby had, well, we don't know the story, but you were supposed to walk in your graduation and then have the baby after. Yes. That was, was like the plan. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't due until like mid July. Right. And my graduation was like beginning of June. So um, I w went home from the rehearsal for graduation and I was like, wow, I'm having like really strong Braxton Hicks today. <laughs> and then like that evening we ended up going to the hospital because I was like, this is, this might be like labor-ish. And I was mm -hmm. like, this is not supposed to happen yet. I had taken a birth class. Um, and I don't even remember who took that class with me. It was maybe my mom took it with me. I don't know who took the class with me. Um, so we went to the hospital. My, and my mom went to the hospital and um, they were like, yeah, you're definitely dilated to about two and a half at that point, which wasn't scary. But the fact that I was still contracting like on a good pattern um, they gave me a steroid, um, and then they gave me something else that of course I don't remember because I was 17 and that was 11 years ago. And I didn't care at the time to ask what I was being given. Um, but the thing that they gave me, um, it dilated one of my heart valves that was giving me like crazy chest pains. Mm. And so because I was 17, the hospital I was at, um, the cardiologist wouldn't see me. So they had to transfer me to a children's hospital so that a pediatric cardiologist would would look at my heart. Because you were a minor. <laughs> because I was a minor, but I was pregnant. So, like, yeah. And uh, <laughs> they, uh, the pediatric hospital was like, oh yeah, you're fine. Um, it, if you have any more pains, you know, definitely go to the ER. But we don't see anything emergent right now with your heart. Okay, that's good. So I went home, contraction stopped, everything was normal. Um, well, they didn't really stop, obviously, but still having like random ones because um, I was 34 weeks. 
Um, and then I just was checking in with my doctor um, every week. And then at 38 weeks, um, <laughs> this really bothers me to talk about sometimes because I was so manipulated um, mm. over a holiday. So July 2nd, I go to my doctor appointment and um, mm. it's like maybe 10 in the morning. All I had to eat was a banana before my appointment. And um, they're like, okay, we're going to hook you up. I guess it was like a non-stress test, um, but they didn't call it that. They were like, we're just going to see if you're having contractions. Um, or they said like, oh yeah, you're having contractions. Let's monitor them for X amount of time to see how many you're having, whatever, whatever. Um, so then they're like, after, I think it was about like 20 minutes, they were like, oh yeah, you're contracting on a... An, you know, enough and you're dilated to a three, um, you can go ahead across the street to the hospital to have your baby today. And I was just like, really? Oh, right. Guess I'm going to the hospital. (laughs) Um, so I get to the hospital, I'm in triage and mind you, I have no idea like that is even called triage at the <laughs> point. I was, I, right. Why would you? Yeah. I had no idea what was going on. Um, so I'm in triage and um, they're like, well, yeah, you're contracting, but there's not a really good pattern and they're not really strong. And I was like, yeah, because I barely feel them. <laughs> and she was like, okay, so walk around for two hours and then come back and we'll see if you've made progress. And it never even occurred me to be like, hey, no. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, it did, it did eventually. <laughs> yeah. Years, years later. <laughs> A decade later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh I thought at that time it was like my mission to get my baby out that day. So then I go into like, okay, I have to get my contractions going, like on a better pattern. So instead of walking, I jogged the hallways of the hospital. Um, my mom kind of stood at one end of the hallway and I just would like jog back and forth to her. Um, and so by the time I um, got back and after two hours, um, they were like, okay, yeah, you're definitely in labor now. Um, we'll admit you. Still really wasn't feeling contractions, <laughs> but Sure. I'm just going with the flow. And then um, they, I see, this is where everything gets really fuzzy. Uh, at some point I got hooked up to Pitocin, obviously, because I wasn't in active labor. Um, and then labored in the bed the entire time on my side. Okay. Um, didn't know that I could walk around. Um, didn't eat. So I'm laboring like on a banana from the, the morning before. Um, I tried some Demerol, I think it was, um, and I hated it. Um, I was so angry that I like couldn't pick my head up off the bed and that I couldn't speak clearly. Um, so in the room at that time was my mom and my two aunts. Uh, my aunts started talking about me in Spanish, saying that I was being mean Um, but like acting like I couldn't understand them. (laughs) 
Right. I was just going to say, like, do you speak Spanish? <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. So, okay. So they told, that's weird. It was really, really annoying. So I told them, you know, nobody said you had to be here. You can leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so they left. So then it was just me and my mom. Uh, my son's father was like in and out of the room. And at some point, um, smoked something that smelled disgusting to me. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and so I was like, don't come back. Um, so, yeah, I kicked him out. Kicked everybody out except for my mom and lay- was laying on my side. Um, I had headphones in. Um, the nurses kept asking me to if I wanted an epidural, which is why I was being mean because I can't get an epidural because I have like, it's not mild scoliosis. It's not like severe scoliosis. It's like somewhere in the middle, but enough that a um, anesthesiologist said he wouldn't be comfortable. Uh, and mm-hmm. I had talked to him before ever even going into labor. So um, I was mad that they kept asking me if I wanted something that I knew I couldn't have. Um, uh-huh. and so, yes, I was mean, um, <laughs> uh, and well, so, so yeah, yeah, you know, like that's, that's fucked up. Like yeah. write it in your chart. It's not that, it's not that hard. Exactly. Um, <sighs> so, uh, 21 hours later, I started, uh, I like could feel the urge to push, did not know that's what that was. And uh, went from laying on my side and like slow, deep breathing through every contraction. Um, that's pretty much how I got through that labor. Wow. Especially being on Pitocin. I don't even know how to stay still, honestly. Um, <laughs> Me either. Um, no, it's basically like torturing you. And who knows like how high they put it because I wasn't right attention to that. Um, mm-hmm. But I... At 21 hours, I like my mom says, like almost like uh, she called it like the exorcist because the way that I like flipped up and like turned over onto all fours. Um, mm-hmm. She said it was just so like dramatic, like that. Um, and um, I started yelling that I had to poop, like screaming, like, I have to poop, I have to poop, I have to poop. And the nurse is like, no, don't push. Don't, you know, you have to turn back over on your back and we're going to get your legs up um, in the mm. stirrups. And I was like, no, I got to poop. I poop. <sighs> and then um, my doctor comes in and she's like, I could hear you as soon as I got off the elevator. This baby must be right here waiting for me. Um, and they allowed my son's father back in, which I didn't mind. I was, I was just like, whatever. I just, I need to relieve this feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And then I pushed for uh, like 25 minutes, but it felt like, like an, I don't know, like time escaped me because um, what they told me was happening was um, I would push really, really hard. And then I would just like pass out and then I would push really, really hard again. And then like pass out, like snoring, like completely just exhausted. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But he came out in like 25 minutes and then 
I didn't want anything to do with him. I was like, oh, he's cute. And I handed him to my mom and I was like, I'm really hungry. I just want to eat. What? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of... Uh, Not that it's only this, but so many mothers, I'm sure you know this as a birth worker, that have Pitocin report that, that they just don't feel anything afterwards, that it's just like a true disinterest. And I think, you know, it's it's hard for women to admit, you know, sometimes understandably, but it's also so important for women to know that that's, that wasn't them, right? Like that was the Demerol and the abuse and the torture and the Pitocin that's overriding your ability to create oxytocin. And, you know, it was the sabotage that, that crafted, you know, a, 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 what's the right word? A fracture in that feeling, you know, that's so sad. Yeah. It it was like, it wasn't like, Oh, the best experience ever. It was just like, okay, I did it. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Uh, I I have like basic human needs that haven't been met in the past 24 hours. Um, and, and then, um, like trying to nurse him, he just kept falling asleep. Um, and then he was, um, pretty much taken away after, I want to say like 20 hours, um, to figure out why he wasn't eating or, and mm-hmm. he hadn't pooped yet. Diagnosed with Hirschsprung's disease, um, and had several surgeries and, um, and then he um, was pretty good. And then we were in the car accident. And um, I think through the NICU experience is when I felt we bonded the most. Um, I had never planned on getting a car <laughs> or driving ever. <laughs> um, and so... I would have to like wake up super early in the morning, um, take me and all my pumped milk to the hospital. It, it took three buses to get there because he had to be transferred to like a children's hospital. And then um, I would stay there all day with him, um, only leaving his like little bedside to go pump and eat. And then my mom would come in the evening. She was spend like an hour uh, and then we would go home because um, you can't sleep at the next well, you like they didn't have like those rooms now like they have now um, where like you could stay with your baby while they're um, in the NICU so and plenty of plenty of places still don't have that obviously yeah um, yeah so wow so intense and then the the car accident you said when we weren't recording that he was about two and a half. Yes. He was two and a half years old. Um, and, um, but what I was saying about the NICU is just that through spending all of that time there, um, with him, um, even though I wasn't nursing him cause he couldn't eat, um, yeah. he couldn't even like, dr- like have a bottle, um, for like the first two weeks. So um, I think that was when like, I've like even just taking care of him though, like changing his diapers or washing him. 
holding him the whole day. Um, that was really when we like, when I feel like I came into myself as a mother. Um, Mm -hmm. and also just like the realization that like some babies don't have mamas. Like there was so many babies in the NICU that they just didn't have mamas that were there with them. Yeah. So yeah, that was pretty much like the, the time. Um, but it definitely took time. Um, cause a lot of my brain was like, okay, basic human needs met after the birth. And then now I'm like, okay, I have to get up every day, go see him like a job. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. And then, um, trying to like learn what I could about his disease and, um, just wanting to like, I always had that need to like know exactly what was going on. And we were just um, very fortunate to have a surgeon who like literally sat down with me, drew pictures, showed me x-rays of like, this is normal. This is your son. This is the typical um, Hirschsprung's disease, but it looks like this is your son, like showing me the comparison of like, okay, this is why we need like to be here and this is why we need to take this step um because he had a fairly extreme version of it yes uh not fairly it was very extreme okay so extreme that in order to have his final surgery to correct correct it if there is any such thing as correcting it um that his surgeon even was um man enough to say he wasn't comfortable doing it because his case of Hirschsprung's disease was so severe. Um, we had a surgeon from Canada come down to Florida to do, um, his big surgery on his intestine. Um, yeah, again, very fortunate to have that. Um, unfortunate that we had to go through that, but of course, yeah, I'm, I'm very, knowing what I know now about like doctors and surgeons for him to just say like this is beyond me like I don't Mm -hmm. I don't I don't have experience with this severity and I don't want it to be my first um I I'm forever grateful for him that um but yeah so that's pretty much where I felt like I became a mom (laughs) yeah um And then maybe when he was, he had to be like three or four. It was after the car accident when I um, learned that a doula was a thing. Um, And I became a doula um, after supporting a friend without knowing that I was a doula. I was just teaching her how to like advocate (laughs) because her don't wanted to induce her and all these things and I was like you don't have to do that (laughs) um so becoming a doula and then um I always knew I wanted more children uh just obviously uh uh, life (laughs) especially life with special needs child uh, yeah, I wonder if we could just pause yeah. real, real briefly there and just just for context of where this story's going. 
you shared that, that you were you guys were in a car accident, but but that it, it rendered your son um, quite hurt. Yes, um, he lost his ability to do pretty much anything. Um, he has regained a lot of it, but uh, at first he was just laying there, like completely mm. couldn't move at all. Um, Holy shit! Yeah, he had to relearn. Some people say like a newborn, but like worse, like, you know, less than a newborn because at least newborns can move their limbs freely. <laughs> um, like his leg. So was he par- paralyzed? No, he just had to like relearn. His brain had to relearn mm-hmm. connections to be able to move them. Um, like Holy shit. Yeah. So he had severe brain damage. Yes. Yes, from the car. And he lost from the car accident and he lost his ability to speak yeah. and walk. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that that puts you and after this whole like crazy first year of figuring out his um his hurt. this disease. Yeah. Yeah. And the surgeries and then this happens. So wow. Fucking intro to motherhood. That is so hardcore. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know why, like, um, well, <laughs> I had a, a, a social worker after the car accident, um, was very concerned about me because I didn't have the same or typical response of like complete devastation that most people have, um, and so, I don't know. To me, I was just like, my kid is alive. We know what's going on. We have a plan. We're going to do it. And right. he's going to be okay. Like, I don't know. I, it never was like, this is the end of the world. My life is... And you had, you had like a year of getting broken into... Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, like a whole new world that you you didn't obviously expect right and like yeah. none of us do and then here you are and you dealt with it and you dealt with the you know all of the 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 seriousness of a baby going through surgeries and yes and you just dealt with it I mean it's it's such a I mean obviously what doesn't kill us makes us stronger right this is Absolutely. a really good example of Absolutely. you already had that like, initiation into so much of kind of then what gets like continued in a different way and in some ways arguably more extreme, but then you already have this whole foundation of strength and resiliency and interacting with the medical model. And yeah, yeah it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I recognized that like my reaction wasn't, I guess, ex- what what is expected, um, but only because I like, I felt like I... I, it wasn't foreign to me, the, mm-hmm. the whole like talking with a surgeon or my my child, um, the possibility of death. Mm. Um, and that's one thing about free birth that uh, a lot of people ask, like, what if something goes wrong? What if your baby dies? And I'm like, I guess my view on death isn't, like everyone else's at this point. Like, yeah. Um, 
we, throughout that first year and a half before he my before Sammy had his big surgery with the doc with the surgeon from Canada, um, he had a lot of scary moments um, where his intestine like almost exploded one time and like dehydration and having to like learn what to look for for all of those things and um, but he came very close to death like more than once and then the car accident even more so so (sighs) to think your baby might die when people said that about free birth I'm just like you could do everything else and your baby still might die you could go your car going home from work and your baby still might die yeah it's so, like for you, the illusion of safety that's not actually exactly, there for any of us had exactly, already been lifted. Yes, that is exactly what I call it whenever anybody says like, oh, you know, I just want to go to the hospital to be safe. And I'm like, where nothing bad ever happens. It's so weird. <laughs> the golden <laughs> utopia of safety. Yeah. So bizarre. When someone's so says, bizarre. Not, that's not true. Like there's nothing real about that statement at all. Um, so yeah. Wow. So you're, yes, you're going, you're going through this, this journey of navigating your son's health, navigating the medical system Mm -hmm. and feeling called to birth in this really natural instinctual way with, with your friend. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, just keep keep going with that. Um, I trained through, uh, more than one doula company because none of them resonate with me at all still till this day. Um, <laughs> and, um, why is that? Will you, will you speak to that for a second? Uh, the limitations on how you can doula. Uh, I think I trained with one, I don't even remember at this point, which company said you know, had which rules or regulations, but that you couldn't use essential oils or you couldn't, um, <laughs> you couldn't touch your client, like massage in certain ways or something like that. And I'm just like, how am I supposed to support her at this point? Like, why, why right. would she even have me there? Mm-hmm. Um, and just the types of births that you can attend or can't attend and, um, none of that ever sat well with me. Somebody telling me how to support someone when I feel like I should be able to just listen to what my intuition, my instincts are telling me and support her like that. And be a sister, you know, <laughs> yes. like, like yes. let that channel of female love and, and like what is in our freaking ancestral like lineage of everything that we are in our bodies as women of how to love another woman particularly during a time like this yeah totally exactly that is exactly one thing that I told all my clients I say the moment that you hire me we become family yeah I that's how I can support you the way that I'm going to support you is because I love you if I don't love you it's not gonna work yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so um yes was a doula uh supported many births um 
supported all kinds of births, um, mostly in the hospital, um, towards the end of me owning my company, um, supported a handful of free births. Okay. (laughs) Really? And wait, in Florida? In Georgia. In Georgia. Oh, when you were in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That was pretty much where I was just, well, I don't even remember where the idea of rebirth was introduced into my brain. Um, (laughs) It may have been just like a YouTube video. And I was like, oh, shit, by herself. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, by herself. And then um, I'm sure um, just learning about what actual undisturbed birth was and is um, pretty much like set a light bulb off in my head. Like, wait, even if you have a midwife there, they're so invasive. Like, <laughs> well, if you have a shitty midwife, <laughs> well, yeah. if you have a good midwife by yeah. our standards there, then it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I just seen so many midwives, like just totally. still in a woman's junk, like, I don't want to call it junk, but like she was all up in her stuff, like mm-hmm. back up and get out of there. And um, they're actually required, right? Like that's yeah. a part of the rules and regs and the the active third stage management and the NRP bullshit and like all yep. the stuff that they agree to sabotage. I mean, I'm such a broken record about this. I talk about <laughs> on every single episode. So I hope everyone gets it. But yes, I, I love meeting other, you know, other birth workers who just kind of came to these similar conclusions and and found a more integral way, you know? Like it's it's God, it's just so important. Um, I'm pretty sure um there was a moment reading Michelle O'Donnell's um The Scientification of Love book where I was just like you don't want to mess with that. Don't mess with that. It can be so beautiful. Don't mess with it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you should just be really, you know what? Don't even be in the room. Right. <laughs> uh, help them figure everything out that they need. And, you know, if, if the woman feels like she wants her partner there, like show her partner, you know, teach them how to be supportive. Um, and and leave. <laughs> uh, or if she wants you there, stay. But like, for the most part. Right. Uh, it's not about you. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you attend some free births, that seed gets planted, you start to actually see like truly undisturbed birth. Yeah. I'd love just because I know so many of my listeners are, uh, they are, wanting to become radical birth keepers, AKA authentic midwives. And as I'm sure you already know, you know, all of these doulas like who you and I were uh, got are like being called into the midwifery role because so many women don't want the medicalization of midwifery. So I would call that like authentic midwifery, obviously. And so when I hear you say that you've attended free births, you know, to me, how I hear that is you were called to midwife. You were called to be an authentic midwife. And so I'd love for you to speak to kind of how you, like what that looked like for you, because I know so many women all around the world listen to this podcast and want to do that and feel like they can't or, or 
I don't know. There's a lot of blocks. And so, yeah, I would just love to hear, hear what you um, have to say about that. The car accident. I, um, I started saying this mantra to myself that I don't make decisions out of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you have a child who is severely disabled and has a lot of medical requirements, um, it's really scary. <laughs> a lot of it can be really scary. And uh, if you make decisions from a place of fear, it's it's never going to end up um, or it, or it might end up well, but the process is not going to be pleasant. Um, you're just going to be dreading the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of, I guess, why I was able to manage so much of that so well uh, is just because I decided like I'm not going to make decisions out of fear. So mm-hmm. when it comes to supporting women, um, I just choose not to let fear stop me from doing that. So most people won't support women who don't want medical personnel present because they're afraid of some type of legal action against them. Uh, and it just does not make sense to me at all. And they're like, and I've had discussions with other doulas who are like, of course it doesn't make sense to you until it happens. And then you're charged with criminal negligence or something. And I'm just like, would they charge the grandmother sitting there with criminal negligence? Would they charge the nanny who was taking care of the other children, but she was there and being paid to be It, it there? doesn't happen. It, it's a made-up doula <laughs> myth to scare you into subordination. It, I, it doesn't happen. Like you are yeah. <laughs> allowed to invite another woman to your birth at home. Like this is legal. You are not a licensed provider and you're not pretending to be one. Exactly. And I was like, and I don't see where I would, I I guess there are some people who are a little bit of, uh, I guess, want to be medical midwives. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> and they'll do things like stick their hands in women and uh, play doctor. Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, that I, I don't think is... I. Obviously, that's not what I think is the way to birth like, or like how to support birth. Um, you want to do the opposite of that, which is the whole point of not having medical personnel present. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I um, I had a couple who um, hired me as a doula and they were like, yeah, we're just going to, um, you know, just they were foreigners. Um, the wife was from, mm, I can't remember where she was from. And the husband was from Mexico, but they had lived in Mexico for a long time. And, um, so yeah, it's just going to be, you know, me and my husband here. Um, and I was like, okay, perfect. You know, uh, I did the same thing I do with all my other doula clients. We talked about all the same things. <laughs> and, um, when the time came, she had her baby. It was very fast. Uh, it was her first baby. And um, it was just nice. And I was like, wow, that was the first free birth I ever um, supported. And I was like, oh, I like this. This is way better. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so cool. But like at the beginning, I guess when I think about like how I felt comfortable or like 
how I supported them. Like you were asking like how I went through that process, I guess. Um, I pretty much just made it clear to them. Like I'm not a medical professional. Um, if anything happens where you feel medical professionals are needed, it's up to you guys to really, uh, seek it out. Like, I'm just going to be here as your support and I'll support whatever you decide to do. So, um, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know why uh, a lot of people think it's like a, I don't know. It wasn't really a hard decision though. Like, well, it sounds like you, you actually have this crazy, opinion that women can make their own decisions. Oh my God. <laughs> that women that women can be trusted. That women can like uh-uh. be the the centered, you know, decision maker in their own births. Like, I mean, it's this is not a this is not an obvious notion for a lot of unfortunately other women. You know, it's not the society we live in. It's, you know, it's well, all the stuff we already know. So I really appreciate that that was such a natural um, like expression of love for you because that's, of course, what we want to see yeah. in this world. Um, okay, so that's awesome. So it just kind of calls you. It's just, you're just like, hell yeah, this is great. And saying yeah. yes. Not to support them. Mm-hmm. If they were doing something that seemed a little... Uh, if my intuition told me that something was off, I wouldn't support it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, Of course. Yes. If I could sense that the mother was like intentionally putting herself or her baby in danger. Um, no, mom, no moms do that. Right? Who does that? <laughs> yeah, I've never met a woman who does that. That's yeah. so sick. I don't understand how like, you think if you, if the thought comes to your mind, like, I think I need help. You think the mom is not going to seek help? It's so infantilizing. It's just so the whole thing is just so misogynistic that that yeah. anybody could care more or want to be more responsible for the wellness of of this woman's child. So, so, but that is kind of unique that that this handful of free births just kind of unfold for you in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> um, another one was um, I had. Uh, encapsulated a placenta for uh, someone who then referred me to be a a doula for someone else. And she was just like, yeah, I'm, I don't have a, an actual midwife attending my birth. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally fine. She's like, really all the other doulas were like, they can't attend. And I was like, no, no I'll be there. We We can do this. No worries. You have support. Um, yeah. Mm. Just like all the rest of my clients, just like the ones who are going into the hospital. Um, right. Which is arguably dangerous. Way I more mean, even, even <laughs> irresponsible, really? Yeah. Like the more yeah. you know about the system, you know? Exactly. I mean, yeah, it sounds like you were willing to treat women uh, with respect and were willing to allow free birth to be a totally viable option for the small number of women who are going to feel like it's the right move for their families. And this is pro-choice. Like this yeah. is feminism. This Absolutely. is... You know, this is the whole reason I started this podcast was not to 
convince anyone to free birth. I don't care what anyone else does, but I do want it to be in the conversation that it's a totally viable option. Yeah, that it's an option and it's the safest option. If you know know how physiology works, Mm -hmm. it's the safest option. And so like the more you learn, the more you study, the more you're like, oh, wow, it's really dangerous to mess with that. Not going to act like a C-section doesn't have consequences, you know, and that doesn't mean that I don't think women shouldn't have access to it. And that that's a very that's a very complex kind of uh, concept. I think that 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 not everyone is totally willing (laughs) to to digest. Like, if you want to be able to choose your baby's birthday and get induced, you should also be able to choose to just let your baby come when they feel like. Wait, but but no one but no one profits off of that. Right. <laughs> I, I'll never forget when I first moved to LA. I was like sixteen, and I I was at a Whole Foods or some sort of health food store, and I picked up a magazine. It was like a yoga, like hippie magazine, and there was an advertisement in the magazine that said, "Choose your baby's astrological sign." Oh, that makes it sound so beautiful. I know. <laughs> And I was so horrified. I mean, at first I was confused because I was like, how do you even do that? And then I put the pieces together and was like, what is this place? (laughs) Anyway. Okay. So keep going. You're a birth worker. You're um, caring for your son. Um, You are in Georgia at this point. You're attending some births outside the system. And and how does this all shape you? um, And when do you meet your husband? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So then um I slowed down on birth work um in 2017 um and actually uh had to I met my husband, we worked together. We hated each other. <laughs> what? <laughs> like we hate we equally did not like each other. That so. is hysterical. Wait, where were you working? Uh in a restaurant. Okay. In a hotel room. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, we were so funny. And I am very much a this happy of a person in the morning. <laughs> and he is very much not. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's where we met. Um, but at the time, we were both in separate relationships. We hated each other. Um, and the relationship that I was in was actually extremely abusive to the point where I had to leave the state. Oh, shit. Um, Yes. So I moved to Texas um, for, I want to say it was about 10 months. It wasn't exactly a year, but it was almost a year. It was extremely healing um, to just be by myself with my son. And um, I ended up working at an herbal apothecary store in the small town that I lived in. It was really beautiful. Um, But the the air quality in that like southeast Texas region is shitty, like because all the chemical plants in the oh. the gas, um, so it made Sammy really sick, Ooh. and with like no explain, like there was no reason why he was getting sick. He just kept getting so sick. Oh my god! Um, so then we had to go back to Georgia, um, but the abusive ex had moved away. Nice, um, yeah. <laughs> So I um, moved back. At this point, um, me and my now husband had become 
cordial before I left and then um, became friends. And then he was coming to visit in Texas. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> to visit us in Texas a, a bunch of times. Oh. And, and then before I moved back to Georgia, he um, left for boot camp to join the Navy. Um, but at that point we were already like a couple. Um, and so when I moved back to Georgia, I, um, I got with a, um, an established doula company. Um, and, uh, cause I didn't want to like go through the whole process of like trying to find my own clients and everything, but I did want to do birth work again. I felt like I had healed a lot while I was in um, Texas and, you know, I was ready to get back to the thing that I'm passionate about. <laughs> um, and, uh, started working for this company and it was good. Um, was it an agency? Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and it's, it was good. I love my clients that I got from that. Um, but several of those births, um, I only got hospital births, I think, through that agency, uh, although they support like all the births. But I think the clients that I had, I don't, I don't think I had any home births during that time. Um, yeah, it was maybe like a year um, that I worked for the agency and um, the hospital births. Um, several of them were just, uh, I don't know if it was because I was like fresh out of like abuse and then I could like, was like extra sensitive to it. Or if I just didn't feel like I could witnessing it as much as I could before. I don't know. I felt really traumatized by a handful of those births, even though the moms, um, both parents felt fine about the experiences. Um, That's the craziest shit, huh? Yeah. One of the moms definitely has um, reached out and we've talked a lot about her birth experience. Um, But she made all the choices. So it was like, and she had the provider that would let you I mean, I hate that word, but like in that setting, there is a degree to which your provider will let you do things. So, um, he, he laid out every single option for, including going the fuck home. And she was like, no, no, please abuse me. In a way. And I hate to say that, but yeah, because and then I think she realized it after. And so now she's dealing with a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's complicated because it's it's not like some clear, obviously clear decision. And most women are growing up with abuse, right? Yes. So with sexual abuse, with physical yeah. abuse, with emotional abuse, like all of it, right? So, yeah. and then also like our mothers and our grandmothers and their grandmothers. And so- 
it's in us to ask for it in this like really twisted Stockholm syndrome kind of way that extends beyond just kind of the clear formula of going to the hospital and then them offering you things and then you still like doubling down into the into the system which is so hard and confusing to witness as a as a support person but it's so complicated and there's so much history in us that dictates these weird uh, like 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 a commitment to be involved in it yes and at that point um that last that was my last birth that i supported um because I was pregnant and... Oh. Oh, so yeah, this was, had, wasn't that long ago. This was like last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I got pregnant uh, when my husband was in town visiting because <laughs> I was living in Georgia and he went through boot camp and then he had to go to school. And so while he was in school, we I just stayed uh, with my mom. Um, and then at some point, through that, we also got married because <laughs> uh, he was here in South Carolina and I was in Georgia. So it's really close. Um, so we had like visits often. Um, and on one of those visits, I got pregnant. <laughs> I know exactly when I conceived my baby. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that last birth that I supported I was definitely pregnant and definitely um not able to hide my feelings very easily um there was a lot of moments through that birth where I was just like I can't do this ever again and I felt really bad um afterwards um just because I I don't feel like I did my best, you know, as a, as I'm a human, but like, I yeah, don't, but, but doing your best <laughs> in the doula role includes shutting up, watching yeah. abuse, you yeah. know, like it includes stuff that what you're, what I'm hearing you say is you were maxed, like you were done doing the gross parts of a doula role that are actually deeply out of integrity and actually completely enables a system of abuse. And, and you were maybe... And then I knew, I I must've been, it was like early in my first trimester. And um, I just, I think like knowing like how much a person like has to, uh, Almost like, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? It's not like surrender, but like, um, submit to that, like, whole, throughout the whole pregnancy. Um, I think it was all just like flooding me at that time. Like, my, what is my, also, I, going like back and forth with with my with myself like what is my job here why am I here why am I here I'm here to support you help you advocate and empower yourself but 
you're making all these decisions that are like completely against everything you said you wanted. So why am I here? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, sleep. Cause you're back all day. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to help this situation. Right. Your baby's still going to be harmed and taken from you. You're still going to be cut. Your baby's going to be suctioned and not get their lifeblood. And I mean, all these things are going to happen. And what is this like super reduced role of female support? Yes. Especially once they're on drugs and numbed out and high as a kite on the bed being tortured. Like it just, it's, it's totally unethical. Honestly, I mean, that's certainly what I came to. And I'm also thinking about you being freshly pregnant, gosh, after just a wild couple years and going to Texas and coming back and and falling in love with the guy you hated, which I love so much. He sounds like a lovely man. And and just what a wild ride. And now you're pregnant after over, you know, a decade. And I'm wondering kind of how the pregnancy, this idea of bringing new life in feels with with the with the huge story at your back like was it was it terrifying was it was it totally exciting and you were so ready for it were you like a like yeah like what was that like for you well we weren't planning on getting pregnant until 2022 um so (laughs) i uh, thought i ovulated the weekend before his visit. <laughs> um, so if you're using a uh, fertility awareness method, um, use it properly. Use condoms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because um, oh, obviously, late when well, I thought were I... You, were you like temping and charting and all the, all the no, stuff? No, that's going to yeah. do it properly. Yeah. Because I, um, I would just do like cervical mucus or like, um, I kind of get some pains when I ovulate or um, I know that I ovulate late most of the time also. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I wouldn't really like, call that fertility. Huh? I wouldn't really call that oh. fertility awareness method. Going <laughs> <laughs> to do it, do it properly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Although it all so, worked out. <laughs> yes. We weren't seeing this little guy, but he is here. I don't, it didn't really feel like a, a big thing. It was kind of just like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. It's happening sooner than we expected. So here we are. We're pregnant. Um, but like, were I, you afraid that like this baby was going to have the same disease and anything like just navigating, like letting this be a new story? It was kind of weird a little bit at the beginning because my husband wasn't there. <laughs> but um, I had always known that whenever I did get pregnant, uh, I would have a free birth. Um, I had made that my mind about that years before, I think. I, yeah, at that point, it would have been years before. Um, pretty much what the first free birth I attended. Um, and like, since I knew that it was an option, I was like, duh, that makes so much sense. Like, I don't see why people do it any other way. Um, uh, I also... So, um, that wasn't like a decision that came up just like through the pregnancy. Um, so I knew I wasn't going to go to the doctor from the beginning. It's like, Oh, pregnancy test. Okay. I'm pregnant. Um, 
which I kind of knew I was pregnant. Obviously, that's why I took a pregnancy test. <laughs> um, I always like go back and forth in my mind, like, hmm, wonder if I, what would happen if I didn't take a pregnancy test? Like, how would that change me mentally? Like, would it have been different? Um, but yeah, took a pregnancy test and was like, okay, pregnant. Cool. Continue living life. Um, <laughs> how did your, how did your partner uh, feel about free birth and a wild pregnancy? And he pretty like, this is what you do. So yeah. I, I trust you. Um, I, being a doula and having supported other women and, uh, being so passionate about learning, um, made him more confident yeah. in my decisions. Um, so he pretty much trusted that I wasn't going to harm myself or our baby. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. What did you say? Like, oh, such a wild yeah. concept. <laughs> to to um, trust women that they could make their own decisions. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much was like, oh, I mean, this is what you do. I don't think you would put yourself in any danger. Uh, he just didn't really know like um, if we quote unquote had to do anything like legally. Yeah. So we moved um, to South Carolina in my second trimester. Um, so of course I hadn't seen a doctor up until that point. Um, <laughs> I eventually did on a visit back to Georgia visit with a midwife friend um, because I needed proof of pregnancy for the birth certificate. And I didn't tell her I was free birthing. I was just like, I haven't found anybody yet. I don't know what I'm doing. It's still like, I have time. Um, and she um, convinced me to get blood work done. Um, which was hilarious because before I got the blood work done, I told my husband, I was like, I think I need to start taking some like iron supplements. Like I just, I really think I need that. And then came back. Yeah. Yeah. My iron was low, even though I like, there's that whole, like it naturally mm -hmm. does fluctuate like that. Um, <laughs> but I did feel like I needed something. Um, and so I, I thought that was kind of funny that it was like, did I need a test to tell me that I needed that? No, I knew I needed that. <laughs> um, and then, um, so when we moved here in November, um, right after Thanksgiving or right around Thanksgiving, um, and then, and so with the military, you can either have, um, your insurance. There's two kinds of insurance. One is that you only use the military doctors and you have to get referrals to get to see outside doctors. And the other is that you don't have to get referrals, but you have to pay copays. So me being who I am, I already wasn't going to any military doctor to get permission to see the doctors that I wanted to see. Um, so I, when we first got married, I already knew that that's the type of um, insurance that I had wanted. So there wasn't really like a, 
I didn't have to explain to anybody what I was doing at any nice. point <laughs> unless I wanted. So it was really nice. Um, like when the, eventually we, I started talking to my neighbors <laughs> because there was three pregnant women on our street. Um, and I would like go for daily walks and they're all really friendly. So they were like, Hey, you know, how far along are you? And like, we're both pregnant too. Da, da, da. And so they were like, Oh, where are you going to give birth? Or who's your doctor? Or, you know, those questions that come up when you're, I mean, you're women with other women, you're going to talk about the things that are going on. Uh, and you're all, all three, obviously pregnant. So <laughs> In uh, our circles, it's like, are you going to eat your placenta or right. bury it? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, they all, and I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to see a doctor. I'm going to have a home birth. And they were like, oh, okay. Well, let me know how that goes. They, none of them said anything mean or like scary, which was refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't know if it's just because, like, my husband doesn't really, like, shout to the world that he's in the military and, like, fully, like, uh, have to only associate with, like, his uh, brothers (laughs) in the military. But, like, it wasn't, like, a thing. Um, We just (laughs) lived. Yeah. It's just where he goes to work. Like, does that make sense? Totally. That's great. Cause I've heard, I've heard different stories of, um, yeah, people being all up in your bed. But we're just really private overall. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure, like, if like anyone asked him anything at his job, he was probably just like, oh yeah, we're having home birth and nobody else yeah. asked further questions. Um, and uh, you know, I've put out a couple of, um, of free birth stories on this podcast of women who've birthed on military bases. And I all, every single time I, uh, that happens, I receive so many messages from uh, women either in the military or wives of men in the military telling me, I didn't know that was possible. I thought that was illegal. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate, yeah, getting to share this because I want women to know that it's not illegal. Yeah. I think also to protect myself, I never told anybody except for like the people closest to us that I wasn't having a midwife. I just would say I'm having a home birth. Um, Nobody asked like, who's your midwife? (laughs) So I just didn't like offer it up. Um, Mostly because I wanted to protect my mental and emotional space. Um, I didn't feel like I wanted to explain myself. I didn't feel like I wanted to, um, have to prove to anyone that it was safe. Um, I just didn't want to have that like conversation at all. And I also didn't want to have to like, be like, I'm not talking about this. Like, I didn't want to have to be like that either. Um, so, um, our parents knew some family knew um, that I wasn't like seeing a doctor and stuff, but we just didn't like that. I'm healthy. I know what I'm doing. Uh, (laughs) I didn't foresee any issues coming up. Uh, Of course you never do, but like, I don't know. I feel like as someone who in my, it's like my passion to study birth and Mm physiological birth. So 
you kind of know a little bit more about like red flags or even yellow yellow flags. Mm -hmm. And so when I was like at the end of my pregnancy and literally everything was just so picture perfect, I was like, there's nothing going to happen. Like, and yeah, you knew. Yeah. And that also, um, ties into like one thing that I feel very strongly about is how much your mindset affects your birth. Mm-hmm. And I just knew my birth was going to be fine and easy, and it was. Hey, women, Emily here, popping in to let you know that we are currently open for enrollment for the Radical Birthkeeper School. This is an online intensive, authentic midwifery course that is jam-packed with an insane amount of critical information. We also guide you week by week to launch or rebrand your birth business, and we dive deep into the self-mastery tools that you hear me talk about here on this show. If you're ready for a transformational 12 weeks with integrated and long-form mentorship, join us and step up to serve women in full embodied integrity. Classes begin March 1st, so head over to www.radicalbirthkeeperschool.com and invest in up-leveling your birth business and leadership skills, all in a container of radical sisterhood. See you soon. For sure, I was going to have him early. Like, I was going to go, quote unquote, early. Like, 38 weeks. Like, I had my older son at 38 weeks. But that was definitely induced. (laughs) Um, But I was like, oh, no, he's going to come earlier. Sooner rather than later, 38 weeks came and went. (laughs) My due date came and went. (laughs) Um, So we got to... um, I'll say 40 weeks and a few days. And I was like getting the questions like, okay, Leah, um, how long are you going to let this go? (laughs) Like from just like the people who knew. um, And like my neighbor asked me one time, like, isn't it past your due date? (laughs) And I was like, well, I guess, I mean, What's a due date, really? <laughs> um, but uh, I think I was kind of just like, at what point would I feel like I needed to do something? And I had decided that, okay, if I got to 42 weeks, I might try, I don't know. I didn't really get that far into like, okay, what exactly I would try. But I was like, I would probably try to do something. Um, But we didn't get to 42 weeks. At 41 weeks, (laughs) um, I, um, like I would say, it's hard for me to like say like exact dates of like things. It's fine. 40. We don't even know. 40 40 weeks. Yeah. It doesn't mean much at all, does it? (laughs) Was it really? Okay. So anyways, um, around 41 weeks, I, um, we went to a friend's house, um, 
And that night while we were there, I felt like I kind of had a trickle. And I was like, mm, I know what it feels like to pee on yourself. That wasn't it. <laughs> that was not it. <laughs> um, so I kind of ignored it and was like, if it keeps going, um, then I, okay, my water broke. But it didn't keep going um, that night. But the next morning, I had like a little trickle down my leg. And I was like, hmm, that's water. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, hopefully it keeps going. Mm -hmm. But it didn't. <laughs> and um, we just went about, you know, normal. Yeah, well, they were like really early labor contractions and they were like, very um sporadic still so we just went about our day um and then they like slowed down and went away and my water wasn't coming out anymore <laughs> so I was like okay guess this isn't labor whatever maybe it was like a high leak or something or maybe it closed back up it was definitely water but it just stopped coming out. So um, the next night, so this is like three nights from that first little mm. like, is that pee or is that my water? <laughs> um, then there was like a, a, a decent, it was still like a trickle. It wasn't a gush. I would not call it a gush. Um, it was still like a trickle of water. And then... Um, Went to bed, still no like strong contractions. Um, the morning, uh, my husband was on day shift, and that morning, um, I walked downstairs to like start making breakfast, and I was like, "Okay, more water's coming out. This is good." Okay. During breakfast, I had a strong contraction, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> today might be the day." Um, so after breakfast, I took, um, a long walk pushing, um, my son's wheelchair and pretty much longer than I had taken throughout my whole entire pregnancy, maybe like 15 minutes longer, not like dramatically longer, like an hour longer or anything, but it was just a really long walk. Um, and then we came back. And I was still having some contractions and I was like, all right, cool. They were like 12 minutes apart. If I could time them, I would say they were probably somewhere around that. I didn't really time them. They just weren't really close together. So I was like, still got time. Let's just keep having the day as the day was gone. Um, and um, lunchtime came and went. Um, I was eating very well and just, um, yeah, just enjoying the day with my son. Cause I kind of felt like it was the last time he was going to be my only son. <laughs> um, and, uh, around about one, I would say, I was like, oh, these are definitely labor contractions. Okay. 
And then uh, three. At three, I had to make the decision whether I was going to call my husband or just wait for him to come home because <laughs> he was at work. And I was like, if I call him, they're going to take like an hour to find him and then better find someone to relieve him. And I was like, by then it would be the time when he was supposed to leave anyway. So maybe I'll just wait. So at three, I laid down, I text him. I said, definitely come straight home. Yeah. Um, no dilly dally. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Down and see if that stop, if that slows them, slows the contractions down. Uh, so at around five ish or a little after five, he called me and he was like, is today the day? And I was like, today is the day. <laughs> Can you come home and set everything up? Um, we had ran through like setting up the birth pool and everything. So we knew how long it was going to take. And so um, I just laid in bed. So I'm just going to stay laying because they're spacing when I'm laying. But if as soon as I get up to do anything, uh, they get stronger and closer. So uh, I said, I'm going to stay laying down till you get here. So once he got here, um, <laughs> he started setting everything up and I got in the shower. Uh, I was like, I'm going to labor in the shower on the ball until you, um, until everything, until the birth pool is ready. Uh, that was pretty much my favorite place to labor. Um, and is Sammy just like kicking it nearby? Okay. His room. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> he was just hanging out in his room. Um, so after the birth pool was set up, then I was like, Sammy needs to eat dinner. And so he went downstairs to give Sammy dinner and I labored here in our bedroom between the bathroom and the birth pool. Um, the birth pool was really hot at first. Um, we have like, for some reason, our hot water never runs out. So the birth pool was really hot. I was like, it's too hot. I put the fan on. Um, also, I was probably going through transition where I was feeling that hot, mm. cold, weird. And I didn't even like notice it. Wow. <laughs> I was just like, huh, the pool is really hot. And then I like put the fan on. And I'm like, oh, no, it's too cold. <laughs> Turn it off. So then I had like a little hand fan that I would use um, with my dual clients. I was like, this works. So, um, and then Sammy ate dinner. He brought Sammy back upstairs and then he brought me some fruit and coconut water. And um, I was laboring in the pool for not very long. Um, I was getting frustrated with myself <laughs> because I kept kind of going into my like doula brain mm-hmm. and like trying to tell myself to like relax and find a rhythm through each contraction but I just couldn't like it was so intense and like I felt like I was like flailing around the pool almost he said I wasn't but that's what it felt like to me I just felt really out of control of my body um and but I didn't want to get out of the water I didn't feel like I needed to be out of the water but like I just didn't feel like I could get into like a rhythm where I was like, okay, getting through the contraction. Um, and he sat on the bed next to the pool and there was like a handle right there. Um, and so I was like in the water 
And um, just, you know, we were talking a little bit. And then I was like, I think I'm going to check myself <laughs> to see like what I could feel. And so I checked myself and I was like, okay, that's definitely the bag of waters. So maybe I did have some type of high leak because I could feel the bag of waters or maybe it was like a four bag or whatever. When you, when you know about birth, you like can analyze these things. Um, and then um, I was like, and there's for sure some of my cervix still there. So we got time, like at least a couple more hours. And then two contractions later, my water broke. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's definitely my water just broke. And then, um, then it got like, oh, I don't want to push. I don't want to push. That's what I kept saying. Hmm. And so the handle on the birth pool, I bit down on it and was like panting. <laughs> uh, I just did not want to push. Um, I just wanted him to like, I wanted the fetal ejection reflex to just push him out. So I was like, <laughs> like, um, while biting down on the handle of the birth pool. And uh, my husband was kind of like, um, with his arms under my armpits around me. And at some point I was like, I, I got to touch, I got to touch. And so to, to tell him to release my arm. And when I reached down, I felt my son's head and all his hair. And I was like, oh, it's too big. <laughs> I was like, he's, he's too big. He can't come out. Not every me. woman ever. <laughs> oh, that's cute. He's too, too big. Well, like crowning. Mm -hmm. That's fair. And then after that, I got so calm and just like pulled him out like it was no big deal. And um uh -huh. <laughs> and I was like oh hi little one and then I sat back and he didn't cry and like I know it's okay for them not to cry but then like I was like I kind of just want you to like make a sound um and he was just really calm he wasn't like floppy or turning colors but he was like really calm and so we um we laid like a towel on the side of the birth pool and um I laid him there and I like rubbed him a little bit with the towel really gently and was like, Hey, can you just like talk to me real quick? <laughs> can you let me know you're okay? Um, I want to hear your voice. Um, and I was kind of just like massaging his chest a little bit. And then he goes, <laughs> and I was oh like, my God. okay. He's and such a puppy. Like, ah. <laughs> yeah. like, leave me alone. Yeah. And so then I, grabbed him closer to me. He's and like, this is peaceful birth, mom. I don't have right. to say shit. <laughs> That's so cute. Um, but yeah, then um, I nursed him a little bit in the pool and then I wanted to get out of the pool. Um, and as soon as I stood up a little bit, I could feel I made placenta was coming out. Nice. So, caught that in a bowl. And, um, I actually, um, had a little bit of, uh, retained membranes that like the piece of the sac mm -hmm. was just hanging out, but I couldn't like pull it out. Um, so I had to like wait and figure out how to get that part out, but that was it. <laughs> um, yeah. It was really, 
almost like uneventful, I guess. Because mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, oh wow, oh now he's here. Oh. Um, I think also in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, I got some hours left, totally. and then it was bloop bloop bloop. Okay, no, you don't. <laughs> Classic second time birth, right there. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. So, so how? So then what happens? Like your your 10-ish weeks postpartum, 10 to 11 weeks postpartum now at the time of this recording. Mm-hmm. So how, how at this point being almost, what is that, three months out, how has it kind of shaped you as a woman having gone through this? I really want this for every woman. I want every woman to feel like normal. Like it's just a normal thing. Like it's not scary. Like it's not medical. Um, I I want it for every woman. I uh, have been wrestling with the thought of doula work or birth work yeah. as like, is that something I should return to? Um, at what point and in what way mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was a huge part of uh you know everything that I did for a long time mm-hmm. so um and then i i as much as I want this for every woman, it's also like uh, seems impossible. <laughs> Um, I feel like I had like just a birth that everyone should have. Like it shouldn't be, it should just be a normal thing, like a normal day. My Mm -hmm. husband went to work, he came home, we had a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Integrated. Yes. It should just be a part of normal life. And it is. Yes. For you. Right? Like you just wrote that story. It is for you. It is for my family. It is for all the women that have been on this podcast. And that, that is how we get there. And you know, when, when we think about the, like every woman, you know, of course it's like an enormous thing and, and feels (laughs) impossible, but, but but it is normal yeah. for us. There are lots of women, you know, that I've met since since starting this whole thing where it's like, this is the way, this is normal. It is family birth. It is just another day. Um, and I think that is how that ripple effect happens is if it's normal for you, it lays the path for it to be normal for for another woman, yeah. you know? So yeah, that's that's beautiful. And I, I mean, I hear you on the the birth work that's a podcast for another day or, or just a conversation with you not recorded for another day. Um, yeah. Cause that's legit. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you could return to the system after. Oh no. I made up my mind after that last yeah. birth that I would never yeah. hospital as a doula ever again. But I'll tell you right now, now that you've made that decision, this is actually when it gets really fun. Because being an authentic midwife and really embodying that and figuring out how to do that and figuring out how to do that in the daylight, you know, not underground, to really do it in the daylight in your community, that is when this gets really fun. Yeah. And there's um, surprisingly 
uh, a group of doulas here that are totally open to um, free birth and supporting women. They do it often. And nice. Um, in my pregnancy, I met up with them for like a pregnancy talk and coffee thing that they had. And one of the other women who showed up there was like, yeah, I free birthed my three babies here. And I was like, awesome. is this, this is like normal here. Oh, okay. <laughs> just there you go. And not be looked at like we have three heads. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Good. It, yeah. It is really cool um, to think about what I could do as a birth worker moving forward. Um, you should take our school. We'll help you set up your business. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's a beautiful story. It's just, there's just so much wisdom, so much lesson, so much, um, just like leaning in, you know, to, to what is here for you and, and following your intuition. And I absolutely love to discover that you were called into free births and just had such a, such a yes to that. That's so cool and, and powerful and inspiring. And yeah, you're a real, a real example among us. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, sincerely. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. Our opening song is by Shia Ray. And now I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension, I will fly and bring her back from the start. Conscious conception.